This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey everybody, it's David Pluff. Welcome to Campaign HQ. When this podcast airs, it'll be 26 days out from Election Day 2022. Uh, and today, we're going to spend time on the great state of Wisconsin, where we have a big gubernatorial race, really critical United States Senate race, and some constitutional offices that, uh, you know, will be close as well. Wisconsin uh, tends to historically, and this has been the case for, you know, decades, tends to have really close elections. Certainly, we all know that from 2020, where Joe Biden narrowly won Wisconsin's electoral votes. Donald Trump narrowly won them in 16. Uh, Tony Evers, uh, governor of, of Wisconsin, won in 18 against Scott Walker, one of the biggest races in the country, uh, but won that by about a point. Uh, so, uh, and the polls, and we should be careful about uh, trusting all the polls, but, you know, in aggregate, they look like we're heading to really close elections in Wisconsin. Again, both the governor's race uh, and the Senate race uh, look very close. Our guest today, I'm really excited to talk to them. We're going to start talking to Patrick Marley, who's now a, a reporter of focusing on voting issues and democracy in the upper Midwest for the Washington Post. Uh, he has spent a lot of time covering Wisconsin, though. He, he's covered Wisconsin for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel for almost 20 years. So we're going to talk to Patrick about basically the entire landscape, what's on the ballot this time, what he's seeing from the campaigns what the aftermath of the election may mean in different scenarios. If the Republicans were to win a governor's race, uh, they have a, a big majority in the state legislature. What could that mean in terms of the 24 election? We'll, we'll certainly talk about abortion, where a, a state law from the 1850s uh, has now been um, greenlit in Wisconsin, uh, and abortions are not being performed in Wisconsin right now. Women are having to go to Illinois and other states for the health care services, tragically. So Patrick's going to give us a great overview of Wisconsin. Uh, and then we're going to spend time with Sam Recker, who's the senior advisor and spokesperson for Governor Tony Evers. Uh, Sam's got a long uh, history in, in Democratic politics, has been in some tough races. So we're going to talk to him about that race, which Governor Evers won by one point uh, in, in 18. I, I believe they're probably preparing for that same outcome this time. So what does it take to win a race like that, that could come down to 8, 10, 12,000 votes? And, and what are they seeing with swing voters? What are they seeing with the base? Uh, what kind of Republican strategies are they having to, to pay attention to in Paris? So I'm eager to go deep into the Evers campaign with Sam Recker. So uh, I, I hope that uh, you learn something in terms of our deep dive here in Wisconsin, uh, a race that could uh, have big implications in terms of the 2024 presidential race, in terms of uh, democracy and, and, and what happens there in terms of respect for voting rights, and certainly could be instrumental in control of the United States Senate. Patrick Marley, welcome to Campaign HQ. Thanks for having me here. Well, it's great to have you on uh, to talk all things Wisconsin. So let's start with the election that's right in front of us. You've got uh, high stakes races for governor. You've got high stakes Senate race, United States Senate race, one house race that people are paying attention to. You've obviously got constitutional offices and, and the state legislature. But let's start with the governor's race. Uh, governor Evers won 2018. Good Democratic year, but still, that was a really, really close race, marquee race 
around the country when he defeated Scott Walker. He's got a really tough election against Trump's preferred Republican opponent, self-funder. Who knows how accurate the polls are, but the polls seem to suggest this thing's within a point or two, which seems to be uh, how Wisconsin rolls these days. Uh, so so what are you seeing in the governor's races? What are both campaigns up to here in, this, in the stretch drive? Yeah, I mean... I- I would never read too much into any poll, but you can be guaranteed that it is a close race. It is Wisconsin. <laughs> we are the consummate purple state. Um, 2018 showed it. 2022 is going to be similar. In fact, Tim Michaels, the Republican running against Evers, has said that he thinks he's going to win in a landslide, but then quickly acknowledges that a landslide in Wisconsin is four or five points, right? <laughs> so um, the, uh, the, the race in Wisconsin has come down to... Um, a lot of issues that you're hearing about nationally, right? It's abortion is an issue that Tony Evers is talking about a lot. Um, Wisconsin, when um, the Dobbs decision came down, that kicked into place an 1849 law that is an outright ban on abortion, no exceptions for rape or incest, only for the life of the mother. Um, Evers is actually in court trying to overturn that law, but right now there are no abortions performed in Wisconsin. Uh, Tim Michaels has long opposed abortion and has said that law is in line with his own views, um, though he's recently um, stepped back from something he'd earlier said and now says that he would sign something that would provide exemptions for uh, rape and incest. Um, so that's an issue that's that's big in this race. Uh, you've got your usual things like taxes are uh, a big issue. Evers has actually signed a couple of large tax cuts that were proposed by the uh, very Republican mm-hmm. legislature. Um, they were uh, he, he had said that he wanted to cut taxes for the middle class by ten percent. With these two, I think it was two, um, tax cuts that the Republicans put forward, he was able to claim that. So he signed that and has used that as a as a big campaign issue. And it's really one of the few things that he has been able to accomplish in his four years in office because we do have a divided government and the Republicans who run the legislature rarely see eye to eye with with Tony Evers. And he's also talking about roads. That was a commitment he made in 18. Infrastructure bill helps mm-hmm. him there, right? So- so, so from an economic standpoint, obviously, uh, voters are saying that uh, they're not satisfied with the economy. Inflation's part of that, eating into wages. But is your sense that that Evers has been able to, uh, if not defend himself completely, parry back some of these economic challenges that he's facing? I mean, I guess part of my question is, that would this be a close race anyway? Uh, or, is, or is this as close as it is uh, because of the national environment? Well, yes, it would be a close race anyway, yeah. because 2018 was a very close race, which was a, you know, a very a big good Democratic year for year, yeah. Democrats. And, and Evers still just won by uh, by a point or so. Um, yeah, those are things I neglected to talk about. The economy, inflation, obviously an issue that Tim Michaels is raising a lot. And uh, as in many races across the country, Michaels is raising crime as an issue. Uh, that is something that Republicans have hammered on. Uh, we had these uh, riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin, after a police officer shot uh, a black man mm-hmm. um, that resulted, you know, the, the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, incident flowed out of those uh, the, that uh, incident in Kenosha. And so that's been an issue that Michaels has really hit on, saying that Evers did not do enough to respond to that. Right. Um, so, so I think all of that is like, you know, Evers has a very tough situation cut out for him, especially because uh, he has uh, been at loggerheads with the, the legislature so much of the time that he's had l- fewer accomplishments than a government 
governor might typically have in a four-year term to to point to. To point to, right. And so how much is democracy, and, and then that's obviously uh, an area that you spend uh, a lot of your time on for the Washington Post mm-hmm. these days, but how much is, you know, Michaels is full-on election denying from 2020, um, has not said he would uh, respect the results of this election. How much is democracy an issue? I mean, or is it something that's animating both sides and it's not really what swing voters are focused on? They're focused more on the economy, abortion, kind of what's your sense of that? So that's a great question. The, the um, issue of democracy was really front center during the primary. Evers faced a couple of opponents, one of whom was an outright election denier, Tim Rampton, a member of the state legislature. And um, another opponent, the former lieutenant governor, Rebecca Clayfish, uh, really put election issues uh, front and center of trying to um, dissolve the state's elections commission, uh, do more, to change a variety of election laws that Republicans have tried to change uh, and, and face vetoes from Evers. And Michaels has tried to join in that conversation. He's been a little less clear about what he wants to do, for instance, with the agency that oversees elections. He says he wants to change it, but it's very, very vague as to exactly what he wants to do. You are right that he has said that uh, he he has not agreed to respect the results of this election, and he has even left open the possibility of trying to reverse the 2020 results. Uh, Biden won the state narrowly in 2020, and uh, obviously reversing those results at this point is impossible. But he's he's left open that possibility. Now, despite all those past comments, that is not really something he's been talking about much since mm-hmm. winning the nomination. Right. It's you know something he needed to do to get him through the primary. Um, big questions, I think. If he w- if he does win, he's going to have a Republican legislature that's going to want to make a number of changes to election laws. You're going to see a lot of changes uh, as to exactly how far they go is you know uh, unclear at this point. It is telling, by the way. I think that uh, on both uh, sort of you know the election denialism and then of course on uh, abortion, you see a candidate like him you know, silent a little bit on the election stuff. Uh, and then, you know, trying to like Blake Masters has done in Arizona and other candidates trying to uh, trying to sort of shift their position a little bit on abortion in, in a post-ops world. So just remind people that the governor in Wisconsin, you mentioned, obviously, you, you've got a current Republican state legislature. Most observers do not expect that to change, correct? There's no way that changes. Okay. I mean, Republicans in, in Wisconsin have close to two thirds in both the right. Senate and state assembly. You know, that could go up or down. I think it's unlikely that it's very unlikely that they would get to two thirds in both houses, which would give them um, the ability to overturn vetoes. Uh, but certainly they're going to, you know, they're going to stay in that realm. They're not going to, there's no chance that they will lose either house. So you have a, a Republican legislature. Post this election, that's going to try and do a whole bunch of stuff as it relates to election, as uh, you know, really try and change the law, and and perhaps if you take the most extreme view of it, make it harder for Democrat to win those electoral votes. But the governor there also certifies the election, correct? Yes. So you know, this is a really powerful position as it relates to twenty twenty four. Yes, absolutely. Um, you've got. Um well, you sort of have this two-layered process of certifying elections in Wisconsin with, uh, there's a bipartisan elections commission, right. so it's three Republicans, three Democrats, and they are the initial, actually, it's the chairperson of the commission that certifies the elections, and the chairperson, as it happens uh, in presidential years, is a Democrat, um, and then the governor signs off on that. So you need to get both of those things to um, move the certification on to Congress. Um 
so yeah, obviously a, a very big implications with this governor's race and the presidential race in 2024. Right. Because if you have a Republican governor may refuse to, to go along with that commission. Um, so this bears close watching. Let's talk, by the way, so do you expect, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, but if, if Governor Evers were to win re-election, whether we know that Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, sometime in the aftermath of the election, do you expect his opponent to call and concede uh, and acknowledge those results? Or do you think we'll be in one of those situations where you know, says I didn't lose, it was fraud, I may challenge it, kind of where do you think? I know that's just one scenario. The other scenario is yeah. Governor Evers, you know, comes up short. But but in that scenario, what do you think what do you think the outcome will be? So I think it depends on how close it is, right? If it's uh if it's a comfortable margin, if if in that scenario Evers wins by let's say a point or more, um I think you'd you would likely see a concession um or perhaps a begrudging one, but you would, if it's close, then, uh, you know, they'll go into a recount. There will be lots of claims of frauds, fraud and irregularities. You know, Tim Michaels, it's a little unclear exactly how he would position himself, but I think that, you know, a dramatic fight over the results, if it's anywhere close is all but assured. Right. So buckle up, everybody, unfortunately. If, if this is a close, uh, which it seems like it's going to be a, a very close outcome between Evers and Michaels. So let's talk about the United States Senate race. Uh, Mandela Barnes, Democratic candidate, lieutenant governor, running against Ron Johnson. You know, back in the beginning of the cycle, big Democratic primary. I think there was a sense from some observers that Johnson may not run again. Here we are. And then I think, you know, two or three months ago, I think you know, incorrectly, there was some conventional wisdom that, you know, Mandela Barnes was really struggling and was going to have a hard time, you know, keeping that race as, as competitive as the governor's race. If you'd believe polls, and we've learned maybe we shouldn't, that center race also looks incredibly close right now. So what's your sense of where, of where that race stands? Yeah. So um, we did have a huge field. I think it was six or eight candidates running for Senate, maybe even more because uh, there were some Lower some tier big candidates names too. Who, who ran. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there were yeah. some big names and there were some uh, you know, people nobody's ever heard of. Um, but but the reason that so many got in was because they thought that Ron Johnson was going to be vulnerable or that he wouldn't run again. He had said uh, before that he was only going to serve two terms and now he's decided to run for a third term. And then um, this primary, it was, you know, as crowded as it was, everybody dropped out at the end. It cleared the way for uh, Mandela Barnes. So it was, you know, a fait accompli by the, by the end. And that is, you know, both uh, polls in the governor's race and the Senate race, extremely close within a couple of points. Um, I would say that, you know, you, Democrats seem a little less confident about the Senate race. Mm -hmm. Well, neither party seems acts completely confident. Uh, I would say Democrats are a little less optimistic about the Senate race than the uh, governor's race. Um, there's been a just an onslaught of pretty tough ads against mm -hmm. Mandela Barnes going on since the primary ended um, and that has um, raised some concerns for Democrats in this race. And so if that ends up being the case that, you know, Evers, whether he wins or not, but finishes with a higher percentage of the vote, there are going to be some Evers-Johnson voters. And so talk about I who guess. those might be. I mean, there may not I be mean, a lot of them, but in close races, it doesn't take a lot of them. That's that, what that, we That's the thing. So it's, it's <laughs> you know, split ticket voting in Wisconsin, uh, as elsewhere, has uh, come down quite a bit. You don't really see it like you used to um, decades ago. And so it's it's hard to imagine a split outcome. But as you say, 
both these races could be very close. And let's say, you know, 10,000 people are Evers Johnson voters, then that could be the difference. Or you could also have a scenario where somebody votes in one race and not the other. Um, who those voters, I mean, that's your consummate swing voter, probably your lower information voter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think you're going to see the Democrats, you've already seen the Democrats put a concerted focus on the suburbs um, and maybe some areas where Republicans have um, typically uh, done better and that, that changed during the Trump era. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to say who, who that voter is. You know, one, one thing we always... We're very curious about in 2012, we had the recall of Scott Walker, right? Mm -hmm. Which he won by a pretty nice margin. And then six months later, we had a, a presidential election in which Obama won re-election in the state pretty comfortably. So yeah. that was, you know, two different ballots, but two elections very close, to, close together. Um, so it would be interesting if we do have some voters who see you know, their preferred candidates being Tony Evers and Ron Johnson, because all those, those guys aren't running against each other. They don't really see eye to eye on much of anything. No, not anything. Yeah. No, I remember the anti-recall Obama vote uh, quite well back from, from, yep. uh, from that 12 race when Paul Ryan was, was on the that. ticket. Yeah. Well, well, let's talk about you. You've covered Wisconsin for a long time. Uh, you know, it's generally, I mean, 08 was kind of an outlier, even, you know, our 12 race, we won comfortably Obama, but, you know, it was still, you know, not a blowout. We won it by, I think, five points, which for Wisconsin's a lot, uh, you know, to, to Tim Michael's point. But still, Wisconsin's always been competitive uh, and super yep. close. But but the contours of politics have changed a little bit, right? Republicans uh, getting bigger margins uh, in the western, northern parts of the state, rural mm -hmm. areas, even some blue-collar areas. Democrats clearly uh, probably putting the kind of votes up in suburban areas that 25 years ago people wouldn't have believed. So just talk right. about how that's changed and, and how you're seeing, you know, like there's questions about, you know, Wisconsin's a great way to think about some of these big questions. You know, can can Republicans uh, get even more of a vote share out of some of these smaller counties? Are Democrats approaching their ceiling in the suburbs or do they have room to grow? Kind of what are you seeing? And, and when you talk to the campaigns, what's your sense of, of the contours of this election in terms of some of those really interesting geographic areas of Wisconsin. Well, you framed it up perfectly. The, the ring counties around Milwaukee, known as the wow counties, because Waukesha, yeah. Ozaki, and uh, Washington have been like the powerful force in Republican politics. That's, that's where Republicans have run up the score uh, to win elections. You know, there are other other key areas um, like, you know, the northeastern sort of near Green Bay areas, mm -hmm. sometimes been very good for them, a little bit swingier at, at sometimes, and um, you know, for for years, going back ten years, uh, Western Wisconsin was seen as this place that was uh, turning more blue and and mm -hmm. better for Democrats. And that has really changed in the Trump era, right? They've um, and you've seen this this big shift where the suburbs have become less reliably red, and all of a sudden these rural areas have uh, become Trumpy and redder and getting more people to come out to vote than they had in the past. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, the big test for the Republicans in elections like this is, well, what happens in this new Republican party when Trump himself is not on the ballot? Do they come out? Are they fired up enough to show up at the polls in numbers sufficient to win statewide elections? Or are some of these rural voters, people who only come in when, Right, it's Trump on the ballot, or someone like so closely aligned with him that they they see that person as a proxy for Trump, and 
we'll, we'll find out on November 8th, I guess. Right. I mean, some of the changes in, I mean, you mentioned out 12, just between like 12 and, and 16 and 12 and 20, yeah. 30, 40, 40, 30, 40 point swings in some of these counties, just hard yes. to believe. And, and, the, and, and with big turnout. So that's going to be the question for Republicans. You also, um, you have constitutional offices. W- which of those are you uh, paying most attention to in terms of, of import? Well, um, frankly, I don't know how much import they are. We have a Secretary of State's office, but unlike most states, the Secretary of State's office in Wisconsin doesn't really do anything. It has no role in elections. It doesn't oversee the DMV. Um, It's been stripped of almost all of its duties. Similarly, we have a state treasurer, also an office that is devoid of really any meaningful duties or many meaningful duties. Um, So those, those offices are not really on anybody's radar. They're very low dollar races. Well, obviously the Lieutenant governor is also a, um, a constitutional officer, but that person runs on a ticket with the governor. So whoever wins the governor's office, their Lieutenant governors carried through. Oh, wait, well, one caveat, one thing I'll mention is that it is possible that if Republicans win the governor's office, that one of their solutions to dealing with elections will be to get rid of this elections commission that we have and to return election authority to the secretary of state. So from that standpoint, the office, although it, it doesn't have any meaningful duties now, it could. And so the secretary of state's office would be important if that, if that were to happen. That's such a great point. And, and could that then happen if Michaels were to win? Could that happen with the legislature passing a law to transfer responsibility and he signs it? Yes, he, you could have that uh, transfer of, 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 you know, they could pass legislation early in 2023 and do that. Now, they would also have to win the Secretary of State's office. And it's complicated right. further by the fact that Republicans are split on this issue. The Republican base hates the State Elections Commission. The Elections Commission was created in 2015 or 2016. Uh, by Republicans. It was a Republican legislative plan. It was signed by Governor Walker. They viewed it as a great thing uh, to to have this entity where it's evenly split no matter what. And the creators of that, Speaker Robin Voss and Devin mm-hmm. Lemihu, who is the Senate Majority Leader, they still believe in that agency. They They have said they don't want the power to shift to the Secretary of State Unlike some other Republicans who ran for governor, uh, Michaels hasn't publicly backed that idea. So there will be a big push for them to move that power to the secretary of state, but it's not at all clear that they would do that. Right. But if you're a Democrat uh, in Wisconsin or around the country thinking about where else can I help, you know, even though the Wisconsin secretary of state's office currently does not have election responsibility, having a Democrat there would kind of be a checkmate on that plan if Michaels were to win. So fascinating, just fascinating. That's true. I mean, if, if the Democratic incumbent, uh, Doug LaFollette, holds that office, then that I, whole idea will be off the table for Republicans. There's no way they're going to give election authority to him. There, there's right. just no way they would consider that. Uh, and anything from a referendum standpoint, either locally or of, of, of note? No, uh, nothing on the ballot. Uh, there may... If there's anything local, there's nothing that's uh, gathered a lot of attention. So Wisconsin, you can't really get anything on the statewide ballot without the approval of the state legislature. So, you know, you see in Michigan this um, proposal on abortion to ensure abortion rights. That's not going to happen in Wisconsin because the lawmakers have to put it on there. And you've got this Republican legislature that largely supports the 1849 ban. I'm curious on the 1849 ban. Uh, 
Are you, is there a lot of coverage from the local media about, and obviously there's privacy issues and, and, and all sorts of care to be taken about, you know, women who've had now had to cross the border into Illinois. Like, is this something that's in front of voters day in and day out in terms of the ramifications of that law? Or is it more now for people kind of, uh, people are speculating what's going to happen in the future? Oh, I think there's been pretty healthy coverage of uh -huh. it. Um, you know, I, day in, day out. I don't know that you see a story every day about it, right. but um, certainly there's been uh, co coverage from local media about what this has mean, meant for um, both women who are affected as well as for doctors. There are doctors who, you know, OBGYNs who say they get into situations with a patient where their um, health is compromised and they're very concerned about how the law could be interpreted interpreted in certain circumstances. So that's gotten uh, quite a bit of attention. And, and you know, plus, uh, you, you, there's only so much that is local anymore. I mean, all the things that are national get a lot of attention here. You know, when the 10 year old mm -hmm. girl uh, had to cross state lines, um, in, in Indiana, Ohio, you, you, Ohio uh, and Indiana, yeah. you, you saw yeah. that, um, you know, I think that that got as much attention in Wisconsin as it did anywhere else in the country. Right. And what's your sense of how much abortion is going to drive the result in Wisconsin? And again, you know, it's what's fascinating is sh should America remain a democracy? Should the people get the most votes win? You know, that's like a two thirds, one third issue. I wish it was like 95 five, but it's not uh, Wisconsin's a pro-choice state. Yet these elections are going to be close to 50 50. That being said, uh, you know, in an election 50 50, to your point about it, you know, five, 10,000 votes makes the difference. I mean, do you think that one way I think I, you know, when you think about the, this election, the last four midterm elections have all been wave elections, you know, 06, mm -hmm. 10, 14, 18, very unusual in American history Two benefited the Democrats, two Republicans. This one now 28 days is a long, we're talking on Tuesday, 28 days out. It's an eternity. Gas prices go up, you know, maybe this opens for the Republicans, but you know, it looks like it's going to be a very close election. So you have the economy. You know, the president's in power, Democrats are in power federally. We know the story there. History, history suggests that's a very powerful uh, tailwind for, for the other party. But you've got, you know, these efforts uh, to kind of undermine democracy as a lot of Democrats see it anyway. You've got um, abortion. So you have these two powerful forces kind of colliding. Um, but is your sense that the abortion issue is something in, in the wow counties and other uh, swing parts of you mentioned Green Bay? Is that something that that may allow Democrats to, um, you know, get the kind of vote out of these suburbs you might not have expected at the beginning of this cycle? Well, I mean, I think that's a million dollar question, right? I think it's it's Democrats only hope to tell you the truth, because wow, the, yeah. I mean, all the historical uh, factors are against them, as you just said, right? It's an off your election. Democrats control both houses of the Congress. They've got the presidency. That tells you that the opposition party is going to do well. Um, inflation is really high, uh, you know. So th the economic factors, which are always big in elections, not good for Democrats. Um, now the question is, when people go in to vote, how much are they thinking about the abortion issue? How much are they thinking about gas prices, uh, the price of the bread and milk that they just bought? Mm -hmm. um, but the reason Democrats are talking about it so much is because it's, you know, it, it's perhaps their most effective issue that they have right now. Right. Well, but, and, but and I can't, I can't answer your question because we, you know, we, Roe was in place for 50 years and all, and people yeah. were always talking about like, you know, 
if this happened, then this, then that. And it was always very abstract. And now we're in a very different situation where the row is gone. The laws are different state by state. In Wisconsin, you're in it. I mean, one thing that the Democrats don't really talk about, but you know, whether Tony Evers wins or Tim Michaels wins, the abortion ban in Wisconsin will not change, right? Because there's under no circumstances, Tony Evers going to be able to prevail upon Republican lawmakers to change that law. Maybe in the margins somehow he would, you know, get right. them to do, to do something. And there is a court fight. It's, it's possible that the state Supreme court, uh, you know, changes that ban, overturns it, does something significant. But from a political standpoint, um, it's not going to happen. Now, if Michaels were to win, you could have, a further change to um, women's health care issues, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, the morning after pill could be banned right, conceivably right. Or, or other changes could be made to, um, you know, wh who can enforce the abortion ban could change, right? Right now it's district attorneys. Um, maybe they make it, uh, you know, a private right of action like you saw in the Texas. Uh, in Texas, ban. right. 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 No. Uh, yeah, and obviously Evers has talked about things like clemency for doctors. I know some of the district attorneys right. there in certain counties have said they're not going to prosecute. But but if you were to change jurisdictional responsibility there, I, I'm curious, Patrick. You you uh, you know obviously have have, have covered and, and interpreted uh, all issues democracy for a long time. You're spending a lot of attention on that for the Post. I'm just curious. Is and again, a, a little bit of this is conjecture, but. If the election in Wisconsin in 24 were to unfold just like it did in 20, a Democrat, whether that's Joe Biden or somebody else, wins, but by a super narrow margin, maybe even narrower, you know, mm -hmm. five, 6,000 votes, um, uh, you know, goes through a recount wins. Uh, I assume the Republicans, particularly if, if Michaels were to win, um, you know, we're going to have constitutional drama. Um, I yep. mean, of course, there's a scenario where you know, the Democrat has 279 electoral votes. And so if you take those from Wisconsin away, there are 268 and the Republican win. Right. So uh, just talk a little bit about that and how people should prepare themselves for that. Again, if Evers is to win, um, then, you know, you you avoid the worst from a Democratic standpoint. But if Michaels were to win, uh, particularly if they're also to get the Secretary of State's office then and, and think about changing the election responsibility. I mean, that is a nightmare to think about. Um and ultimately, though, ultimately, when you think about where that ends up, I mean, is, is that ultimately something that also the Supreme Court in the United States is going to have to uh, resolve? I mean, you've probably spent some time thinking about these scenarios about if Wisconsin is ground zero again, particularly if those electoral votes would be determinative, kind of where that leaves us. So there's so many directions it, it could go in. It's really hard to speculate because, you know, whoever wins this governor's race is going to determine what kind of election laws we have in 2024. If Evers wins, it's status quo. Uh, the legislature will pass a bunch of bills. Uh, the governor will veto them. They, they might have, they have some constitutional amendments queued up like uh, um, toughening the voter ID law that could get, they, they could bypass the governor to put that in place. Uh, voters obviously would have to sign off on it. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to have, we, we have already a bunch of litigation over election laws. We're going to see more of that. The state Supreme Court is controlled four to three by conservatives, but one of the conservatives is a swing vote. Uh, the, a different seat held by a conservative is up in April of 2023. So, you know, how that race goes, mm -hmm. which 
which how that race goes may be influenced by who wins the governor's race, right? Like if Republicans have a lock on government, Democrats may have a better chance, although it's a nonpartisan race, but liberals might have a better chance of winning that seat. Um, And so, you know, there's just so many factors, like those things have to be settled a little bit before what we see in 2024. But I guess the one thing we can be relatively assured of is that we will have a very close race in Wisconsin, whether that's, you know, a 5,000 vote uh, bite your nails margin or a 3% margin, it's going to be close. Um, We know that people um, are going to fight over it, are going to bring lawsuits, uh, some of them with merit, some of them baseless. um, And it's going to be up to the courts once again to settle those matters. And could this all land at the feet of the U.S. Supreme Court? Absolutely. Boy, that April race you mentioned for the state Supreme Court looms large. You know, we get get to November and you you just got to dust yourself off and get ready for that one, which is going to be, I mean, those races are always fascinating in Wisconsin, but this one could be (laughs) sort of historical in terms of what it means. Well, yeah, because it's for all the marbles, right? There's these big fights uh, sometimes over these races that'll decide the size of the margin, but this is really good for the for what that future of that court is. And it's got big issues uh, teed up. It's, there's already this abortion case and you can be sure right. that that will get to the Supreme Court at some point. And then all the election issues um, that are sure to come, you know, redistricting, which has gone uh, in the way of Republicans. I talked about those very large margins. That's in part because uh, they've, well, in large part because they've got very gerrymandered maps for Republicans, you know, if there's a more liberal court, you could imagine a, a new lawsuit on that issue coming up. So a lot of lot of things will be coming before that court over the next four or five years. Wow. Well, as always, Wisconsin is a, a fascinating and, and critical state um, in our national politics. Um, uh, you know, between the issues of abortion, uh, you know, democracy, the Supreme Court uh, race you mentioned in April. Um, once again, Grant Zero, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm sure most people listening to this podcast understand this, but when you think about the aftermath of the 2020 election, the, mo- the it seemed like the two states with the most intensity in terms of wanting to overthrow the election were, um, you know, Arizona and Wisconsin, which is saying something because mm-hmm. Pennsylvania wasn't quiet, uh, you know, folks in Michigan. But but those are the two states where they're, they're the seeds uh, were, were definitely planted uh, to continue to, to challenge elections kind of irrespective of, of what the voters did. Well, Patrick, listen, thank you for your, your wisdom and guidance today. Really helpful tutorial on on Wisconsin, uh, both in terms of 2022, but what we have to look forward to in, in the, over the next couple of years after that. Thanks, David. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Sam Recker, welcome to Campaign HQ. Thanks for having me. We are an audio-only program, but I'm talking to Sam with a camera on in the background. I see the map of Wisconsin with the media markets outlined in Sharpie. 
brings back fond memories. I love it. Uh, (laughs) Let's start. I mean, uh, you know, polls are obviously uh, coming fast and furious publicly. Some you probably think are accurate, some are not. So just give everybody a sense of where you see Governor Evers' race today uh, as we are, you know, on the precipice of a lot of people voting uh, and Election Day is looming. Yeah, well, I think the one consistency in all the public polls is, is that the governor is, you know, tied with Tim Michaels, basically right. within you know within the margin of error of everything. Which, you know, I think I've I've been saying that for months is that we will not have you know the luxury of of a race in Wisconsin, you know, having a five point you know or, or larger lead going into this. It's going to be close the whole way through. So, I think it's kind of fighting for every vote at this point over the next four weeks. And what's your sense? Obviously, I don't want you to divulge any state secrets, but you know. There's some polls out there suggesting there's no undecided vote left. My guess is in your research, you see both some undecided vote left or some people who may shift around. What's your view of that cohort in the electorate? Yeah, I think there's definitely a a small sliver that's undecided still, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a a small sliver. We also do have a... Um, an independent candidate who dropped out, but will, will be on the ballot too. So that's another piece that doesn't really play into you know the the public polls that we're seeing. So there is a sliver that's undecided, I think, and and those people are the ones we're fighting over for the, the next few weeks. It's worth reminding people, like even in a race where you know it's forty eight forty eight or forty eight forty seven, you say, well, there's not much undecided left. It's like, well, the undecided left may decide, <laughs> you know, the election. So uh, as small as it is, and and is 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 your sense then that the independent could get two, three, four points, and your win number then, from a percentage standpoint, goes below fifty, you could win below fifty. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that would necessarily be surprising. I think you know it's right. it's tough to say just since you know it's not a candidate who's out there you know, actively campaigning, but you no, know, they are on the ballot. So I think there are some people who who might go that way, who say they're going to vote, but you know right. they're yeah. So listen, a, a lot of uh, renewed attention this week. I think based on some polls and some states showing some of these Secretary of State candidates in states like Arizona and Nevada winning or leading. Uh, you obviously, your opponent, Michaels, uh, is a full on, uh, you know, believer that Donald Trump won the election, says he wants to make a bunch of changes, including getting rid of your, uh, you know, bipartisan election or nonpartisan election commission. You've obviously got uh, also, you know, a bunch of other dangerous people running down ballot. How much is that driving this? I know it's always the economy and, and the economy this year is about a bunch of different things, jobs and wages. As it always is inflation. But how much is the threat to democracy? And and maybe it's not driving swing voters as much as it is energy on the ground and turnout. But what's your view of that issue in Wisconsin? Yeah, no, I've, I've been shocked. I think the governor has been shocked, too, about how much we've had to talk about the basics of democracy, just the right. fundamental fabric of voting over the past two years. Um, and I think, you know, we've definitely seen this with the Tim Michaels, who has you know, said that, you know, maybe he's open to overturning the results of the 2020 election if he becomes governor. And this push has just been, you know, kind of mind blowing in Wisconsin where you have, you know, people in the legislature suggesting that there is some mechanism (laughs) whereby you can just say, oh, no, those results don't count um, and rescind Wisconsin's electoral votes. Uh, You know, even even Robin Voss got this one right and said that (laughs) this is not something that's even legal. Um, So I think it's I think it's definitely driving people. I think that you have and this is kind of going back to those, you know, voters who are in the middle or undecided or maybe independent voters who who are still just kind of looking at this. You know, when you get to an issue like like this about who won the 2020 election or will you accept the results of this election, that's just something that's just so basic. And if we can't bring people together on an issue like that, you know, what what else will Republicans try to divide us on? So I think that definitely plays into it. I think, you know, um, especially when we get into kind of the weeds of, you know, those those Republicans who voted for, for Biden and 
2020, um, you know, I think convincing them that Tim Michaels is just as as dangerous and radical as somebody like Donald Trump is is a piece of that. Well, Donald Trump is sort of his role model, right? Uh, and uh, his uh, his cult leader. So I'm curious, you know, I do think I agree with you very much that, you know, if we can't agree on this, like, let's save democracy, then we can argue about all the stuff we used to argue about. I think you and I and, and probably most people listening to this wishes that meant we'd get 60 to 65 percent of the vote in this election. That's not going to happen. Uh, but we just need to get enough of them to get people like Governor Evers over the line. So do you, is your sense, by the way, so whether it's Michael, some of these people in the legislature, obviously they can't do anything about the last election. So they're just feeding the base what they want to hear, but they can do something about the next election. Um, and obviously, Wisconsin has been ground yeah. zero for a long time in presidential elections. So kind of what's your view of that? I mean, I just as, as you're thinking about that small sliver of undecided, you know, what I've learned in politics, it's never one issue. Some of them care about the economy, first and foremost, some may be abortion, some may be, you know, foreign policy, a bunch of democracy. But is do you think that potentially could force some people at the end of the day here to say, I've got to go with Evers and other Democrats just because the other side is clearly putting at risk the entire enterprise. Yeah, no, I think that's that's something that definitely weighs in. I don't, like, I don't like you said. I don't think it's the one and only issue that we should be talking about. But yeah, you know, like, we've just never seen attacks like this on on the basics of democracy. And Republicans have tried to pass many bills that Governor Evers has been able to to veto um, and make sure not law today in Wisconsin. Um, but Tim Michaels has said, you know, if, if he's elected, those bills are coming back. He'll sign every bill that we vetoed. And it's something like 140 bills at this point. And there's right. a lot of dangerous stuff in there. Um, so I think that does weigh on people's minds, especially when you look towards 2024. And, you know, I think the other thing, the other unique thing about Wisconsin, too, is that, you know, this is not uh, a state where the secretary of state or somebody else certifies results of an election. It's the governor. The right. governor has the power to, to sign that at the, at the end of the day. So. If we're looking at a close race in 2024 uh, for the presidency in Wisconsin, um, which I would expect unless there's significant changes in, in the state's makeup over the next few years, um, you could be in a position where you have a Republican governor who says, you know, I don't like those results. I'm not signing that. Hard to believe that Michaels wouldn't do that. Uh you know, obviously, Governor Evers would follow the will of the vote. Now, it's a very important point. I mean, uh, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania both have governors who play an enormously important role uh, in election administration. Uh, and so uh, that's worth, you know, as, as folks are thinking about how to spend time and, and, and donate resources over the next few weeks. Uh, these two states are obviously important for a bunch of reasons from a gubernatorial standpoint. But that's another one. So I've talked to, uh, you know, a couple of your colleagues who are out helping lead governor's races for incumbents uh, in some previous episodes. I'm just curious. Obviously, Governor Evers has a track record. You guys are out there talking about the stuff he's accomplished and, you know, who he accomplished it for and kind of what he's fighting against. Uh, obviously, you've got an economy where, you know, unemployment is is low, but, you know, inflation continues to put a lot of pressure on people. You know, I'm sure the polls in Wisconsin are not much different than we see nationally in terms of people not being as satisfied about the economy as you'd like. So how do you as a as an incumbent, uh, you know, run the campaign on the economy? You know, you obviously got an opponent, too. So presumably he's for a bunch of stuff that's pretty unpopular. But how do you prosecute that case effectively? Yeah, no, I think, you know, I think part of it is like like you, you said, you know, you know, emphasizing some of the good indicators and making sure people understand that Wisconsin is in a decent place you know overall we've got we've reached you know the lowest unemployment rate in the state's history we've got the biggest surplus in the state's history um 
what we're running into is that we have this $5 billion surplus, but Republicans refuse to, you know, come in and help give this back to the people. We've proposed tax cuts. We've proposed, um, you know, a lot of things that would help ease the rising costs for folks. And Republicans have just refused to come in and, and take that up. So I think one is just emphasizing what the governor's done too. You know, I think his leadership through the pandemic, and this has been something that I think, you know, every incumbent who, you know, especially people who, for whose first term was during, um, during COVID, you have to emphasize kind of what happened. I think it's a blur in a lot of people's right. minds the past few years. So that was one of the things we did on the paid media side and, and, and in earned media early on was just highlighting the governor's accomplishments. Um, you know, I think he has fulfilled a lot of those campaign promises. He, like Governor Whitmer, promised to fix the damn roads, and we've repaired nearly 5,000 miles of those. Uh, we've expanded you know, high-speed internet access to 300,000, uh, over 300,000 homes and businesses across the state now. Um, we've actually, you know, even with a divided legislature, um, or a Republican legislature and a Democratic governor, we've been able to cut income taxes for most families by 15%. So there are a lot of positive pieces. It's just a matter of reminding voters of that and making sure that they're aware of what the governor's done. Um, then I think the other half of that, too, is just, you know, talking about what, what going forward, what does a second term look like and how is he going to continue that? And how does that differ with Michaels, right? Who's yeah. presumably going to, you know, uh, help, uh, you know, a few dozen wealthy families and companies in Wisconsin above all else. So what um, I'm curious, you you mentioned the need for for storytelling and advertising. Um, uh, you know, as you think about this, you know, you've been in politics a while now. Um, and again, there may be some things you don't want to share, although, you know, your opponent tends to know how you're spending money. Uh, yeah. You know, what is the, you know, Wisconsin um, TV is still very important. Wisconsin radio can be very important. Wisconsin um, digital obviously gets more and more important. Kind of what's your mix of how you're reaching voters? Yeah, well, I think before, before getting into the mix, I think one of the things that we've truly really tried to do in advertising, too, is kind of localize it as much as possible. So, uh -huh. you know, for example, one of the stories that I think, you know, coming through the pandemic is just what the governor's done uh, for small businesses. Um, I think, you know, if you look at how federal um, recovery money was spent. Wisconsin is one of the top states you know, per capita in dollars that went to, to businesses to help them recover. Um, we've got a really cool program that the governor talks about a ton, um, which actually provided a grant to small businesses who either wanted to open or expand into vacant storefronts. So this has already helped over 6,200 small businesses. And it's really, you go into some of these small towns where you have 15 or 16 new businesses on, on a, in a downtown area that really just changes the community almost overnight. Right. Um, so one of the things we've been trying to do, and this was early on in our, in our paid media was, okay, let's, you know, if we're doing an ad in the lacrosse market, for example, let's find a small business owner in lacrosse who can talk about, you know, what the governor's done and really put a face behind it. So that was one of the early things we did where we had, you know, several different ads, different markets where it's, you know, an actual business in that community and not just kind of a generic small business validator. So we really try to localize that as much as we, we can. Um, we've done the same kind of localization strategy too, uh, when it comes to some of our ads about all the miles of road, um, the governor has repaired where, you know, we kind of use the example of you can drive from, you know, Wisconsin to Miami and back. <laughs> That's how many miles of roads have actually been fixed. So when we ran those ads, we had different versions. So if you're in a market, you're saying, you know, from, you know, Waukesha to Miami and back, or you're saying, you know, like Gills Rock, if you're in, in northern Wisconsin and back. Um, so that's been kind of like, an, uh, I think, kind of a unique thing that we've done is really try to, to, to do that in paid media. Um, but then as far as the mix goes, I think, you know, yeah. obviously, this is going to be, you know, 
probably the most expensive governor's race in in the country this year as well as the closest um so it's it's kind of an all-out blitz you know we're, we're heavy on broadcast cable but also making sure we're out there and in, in radio and mailboxes so um and and you know well first of all i think your localization strategy is very smart that puts a big burden on your creative team they have to go find a bunch more stories and and make sure the ads are localized but it's really smart things like the road down to miami i mean i think democrats need to remember to speak in language that's memorable <laughs> and and easy to access that's much more important than the dollars right uh or even the you know the amount of road it's you're, you're putting in a way so you're but you in terms of your media mix now you 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 mentioned you have a very small sliver of undecided but obviously you have a big job to do in terms of reaching turnout and are you spending kind of how so so obviously your mix is you let the data drive that right it's like well if, if we're going to reach them through facebook we're going to reach them through facebook we're going to reach them through the nbc affiliate in milwaukee we'll do that but then there's the balance of media. And and it, I assume that right now you're probably serving both of those audiences pretty ferociously. Turnout and 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 that small sliver of swing voters still left. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we, we do have the benefit of some overlap there, too, where you look at you know, the Milwaukee market, for example, right. um, where we're obviously up pretty heavily. You've got have the overlap right. there of one, we need good turnout in Milwaukee, which is not a secret to anybody. But you also have, you know, the Wow Counties, and <laughs> which I think everybody across the country has heard Wow Counties mentioned if you, if you follow politics at this point. Um, which yeah, is an explain area those where, a little bit for people who might not. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the the uh, the counties kind of around Milwaukee, um, and that's you know very populous counties. But these are areas that you know over the years are are still being won by Republicans, but it's it's getting narrower and narrower, um, and that's just a place where there are. Lots of independent voters. Um, you have a lot of college-educated women who are who are there, um, and this was you know a, a big block that we saw you know go from go from Trump to Biden. Um, and I think Democrats have just done a really good job making inroads in those communities. So they're in the Milwaukee market. So when we're advertising there, we've got you know the ability to turn out voters, um, but also right. make sure that we're communicating to those people who you know are on the fence still. Right. So same message with yeah. I'm sure you do some more specialized advertising, but for the most part, you think your message works for both swing and, and base. What's in terms of uh, your ground game, what are you seeing in the data? And, and this is a mixture, I guess, of what you're hearing at the doors through through voter contact digitally or phone, and then you're polling. Like, what is your assessment of turnout? And I'm going to ask you both sides. You know, Republicans have obviously gotten really strong turnout in Wisconsin, uh, you know, over the last few election cycles. Uh, you know, Democrats have been able to get what they need to are you sensing any patterns there or do you think just a, t a boatload of people are going to show up across the board? Um, yeah, I'm just curious kind of what you're seeing. And obviously, you know, a good campaign, I think, prepares for the worst, which is they just assume their opponents are going to put up big numbers from a turnout perspective. Yeah, I, th I think, you you know, you, you have to prepare for the worst. No, yeah, yeah no. I think it's absolutely you know, preparing um, for a strong turnout from the other side. And I don't think, you know, especially with as close as races or in Wisconsin, you know, the governor, when he won in 2018, was won by just over one percentage point, which is basically a landslide in Wisconsin races. Um, so <laughs> yeah. we, we can't take it take it for granted. I think we're assuming that there's going to be a strong turnout. Um, and that's why we have to make sure that, you know, that our you know base voters are, are part of that. And do you think, I think there's always uh, in, in campaigns around turnout, there's A, is the sort of environment positive uh you know, enough so that if you execute well, you can get the turnout. I've certainly been part of elections where 
you know, the environment just wasn't there to generate the kind of turnout, you know, you needed, unfortunately. But then even if it is, you know, obviously it's, it's a lot of work to make sure that happens. Do you think the environment is there for us in Wisconsin to get the kind of turnout you need and other Democrats need? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, uh-huh. I think one something that people forget a lot is just how well Democrats or, you know, progressive candidates have done in the past few statewide elections in Wisconsin. Yeah. And like, you know, today we've got, uh, we've got all the statewide offices. We've got the governor, uh, secretary of state, uh, AG and treasurer. Um, uh, who, who all were elected with, with the governor in 2018. Um, we've also, you know, in Wisconsin, we have nonpartisan races for Supreme Court and state superintendent. Uh, both of those have been won by um, the more progressive-leaning candidate um, in the past couple of years. So we have a record of, you know, showing that, that we can turn out voters in elections, you know, and even in the cases of you know, Supreme Court, um, where that was, you know, not not um, you know that's an April election in Wisconsin. So, getting people out when they're they're not used to or we don't have the presidential level turnout uh, is something that you know there's a ground game and kind of a model to make that happen. Right, right. What's your sense on um, you know and and I assume that we won't know the actual winner of the governor's race for a few days. Is that is that true? <laughs> I mean, as close as it looks like it's going to be, I guess we could always be surprised. But yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to say. I think you know. I think in 2018, it wasn't called until the early hours of, of, of Wednesday. Of Wednesday, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping it's not a few days. I think we've got, you know, um, our, our local election officials are used to, to doing this and being under the microscope. We saw that in the presidential race here. So um, I'm confident they'll they'll take their time and, and do what it takes. But uh, I'm hoping it's not a few days. <laughs> Personally, right. I don't want to have to wait that long. So does but. the country, yes. So whether it's late Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, Thursday, do you expect if Michaels loses to Governor Evers that you'll receive a concession call or that just won't happen? He'll just say something funky happened. I didn't really lose. Uh, I'm not going to concede. <laughs> I, I know you're only worried about getting the votes you need to win the election. So I'm not asking yeah. you. I'm sure you're not spending any time on this. I'm just curious, given what he's saying, bouncing around the state, how he won the primary. Do you think uh, that sort of uh, tradition in politics, and it's not just Wisconsin, I think we're going to have a bunch of states where, you know, we might not have candidates uh, concede, much less accept defeat. Yeah, it's it's really tough to say. You know, I think that we've seen, you know, Tim Michaels has has been asked, you know, directly, you know, are you going to accept the results of this election? And you know, he does does the cop out of, well, only if it's secure. So right. that, that leaves a lot of room to to question it and, and try to... to to litigate it if he if he wants to. I hope that doesn't happen. I, I hope <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping that we're successful and and um, and we'll be a, a clear winner in this. Um, but no, I, I do think there are a lot of questions about how Tim Michaels would handle a close election in Wisconsin. Um, and we know where he stands on the 2020 election. We know what he said this time around. Um, and we also know that you know he is running a campaign where he is not spending a lot of time, you know, being accessible to to the press to answering questions from voters who aren't aren't friendly um so i you know i think you have that and you also have the added pressure of this was uh, a guy who was pulled through a primary um by donald trump essentially right. where i think everybody you know if we would have had this conversation last year everybody would have assumed that rebecca clayfish who was scott walker's lieutenant governor and well known from going through the recall and everything else with him that she had a pretty clear path through a primary um and then Tim Michaels gets in a few months ago, um, kind of out of nowhere, and drops you know, 13 million or more of his own money into this, and wins the primary with Donald Trump's endorsement. Um, 
And I've got to think that if it's a close election, Donald Trump's probably calling him and saying, don't concede. We, we know where Trump has been right. on close elections in the past. So I assume that's also kind of factoring in. I do wonder, I, I assume, you know, the media is going to spend more time on this question. Uh, it's come up in some debates that have happened around the country. Like, I think that's another way to drive an important message, which is I think there's a bunch of voters out there who may not agree with Democrats on a bunch of issues, but say, hey, whoever wins the most votes should win the election. And I kind of don't want a rerun of Trump. Like, I think that's interesting. I, I think that could kind of refresh this democracy message here in the closing weeks, potentially. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely true. I think, you know, we've seen that, you know, Tim Michaels also, you know, he does not like being pushed on basically anything. I think you know, one of the first kind of stories that came out being critical of some of his contributions to very, you know, far right and anti LGBT, anti abortion groups. Um, you know, he reacted by saying that people should get pitchforks and torches against the media, which is a very Trumpian quote. Um, so I think that you know, I would not be surprised if he is is not willing to to, you know, kind of accept the results of this election and, and drag it right. So you mentioned, uh, you know, the need for good turnout in Milwaukee, the wild counties surrounding Milwaukee. Democrats have done increasingly well there. So you obviously want to max that out. You obviously need huge turnout out of Madison and some of the other college communities. What are you seeing in, you know, the northern part of the state, the western part of the state? Some of those are rural counties, some exurban, some of them more blue collar. Obviously, Governor Evers did what he needed to do in those counties in 18 to win. Um, and those are places where, you know, Donald Trump really increased the vote share uh, for Republicans. What are you seeing in those counties? I mean, obviously, it's always important to remind people that uh, we focus a lot, as we should, on these big suburban counties and, and these big urban counties where we have to hit our both turnout and vote share goals. But, you know, if you can lose some of the counties, you're going to lose by 62-38 instead of, you know, 70-30. That all adds up to a lot of votes. So what are you seeing in those places? Yeah, no, I think there are, I think that's, you know, I think Democrats and, and what we have to do is make sure that we're you know, closing the margins in those areas, especially with just how close this is going to be. I don't think we can take any part of the state for granted. Um, I mean, we saw right. Biden win the state by 20,000 votes. <laughs> we won it by just over 30,000 votes. So this is really, you know, a game of inches. So I think we're spending a lot of time, you know, going to those areas. We've had some great events across the state where, We've had hundreds of people show up in some very rural areas where there should not be that many Democrats at an event, um, but they're there. So I think we're we're spending time there, and this is also where you know talking about some of these you know accomplishments that the governor has done. I think people are seeing, oh yeah, I've got broadband internet access right. where I didn't before. Right. Um, our you know our roads and, and the bridges that that farmers are relying on in rural areas of the state to get products out are no longer closed. They're, they've been fixed. So I think making sure that we're taking credit for those those pieces and just, you know, I think giving a tangible um, list of accomplishments and some of these these more bread and butter issues up there is important. Um, I also think that the people give the governor a lot of credit just because of his background in education. Um, and he's been able to, to invest a lot more money in education, especially it shouldn't surprise anybody after eight years of Scott Walker, our public schools were in, in rough shape. Uh, we were ranked 18th in the country. Uh, we're now up to the top 10. Um, so I think talking about what we've done for public schools, that's a big issue in rural areas where everybody wants their neighborhood public school to be funded and have the resources that it needs. Um, so that's another issue that we're really driving home there. Now you think about, you know, you mentioned localized storytelling, you know, the roads, uh, you know, broadband, you mentioned, you know, in some of these county courthouse towns and smaller towns, main streets, having new shops open up the schools. 
just very powerful, both in terms of the substance, but also the imagery, um, kind of whose side are you on? So there could be some good models there for Democrats going forward. So, Sam, the abortion issue is is a big issue in every election uh, in, in all parts of the country. Tell us a little bit about how that's playing out in Wisconsin. I mean, governors, I think, even more than legislative candidates have the ability, whether you are, you know, for protecting a woman's right to choose or against it, to say, I'm going to have a lot of power, you know, if I'm in office. So uh, talk about how that's playing out in Wisconsin. A pro-choice state like pretty much everyone. But I, I think that uh, folks, if my recollection of the data there is it's almost two thirds, one third, uh, you know, in terms yeah. of people who support a woman's right to abortion. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. This is something that's overwhelmingly supported by voters in Wisconsin. Um, and I think, you know, today, like the reality is that, you know, abortion services are not being offered in the state. Um, and Wisconsin's a little unique in this sense because, you know, this is not a new law that was passed by Republicans, but right. we have an, a law from 1849. So before the Civil War, before you know, women secured the right to vote, um, this is, you know, a year or two after Wisconsin became a state. Their first priority was let's <laughs> um, let's put a criminal ban on abortion on the books. Um, and Tim Michaels has said that the 1849 law is an exact mirror of his position. Um so the governor, we've got a, a lawsuit going through um, against this, basically saying that this is not an enforceable law from 1849. Um, but until that's resolved, no provider is is going to offer services. So we've got you know women who have to go across the border to Illinois or Minnesota if they uh, if they need abortion care. And Sam, are, are those stories getting a lot of attention in Wisconsin yet, so that people see the real they, world yeah. ramification? Uh-huh. Yeah, they, they have been. I mean, if you, you know, some of the stats that have been released by Planned Parenthood in Illinois, they've seen a, you know, a tenfold, not just 10%, a tenfold increase in Wisconsin patients um, since the decision. So that's getting attention. Um, you also have, you know, not surprisingly, a law that was written in 1849 uh, does not have a lot of specifics. So you've got, you know, a lot of doctors right. who are unsure of, you know, the only exception in this law is a very, like, narrow life of a, of a, of a mother. But it's not written in a way where doctors really know how to follow it. So you've got, you know, some awful stories coming out of, of emergency rooms and other places where doctors are just really unsure how to, to implement this. Um, and Tim Michaels, you know, he's he's tried to have a change of heart the past couple of weeks and say, oh, no, I would sign sign a bill that had an exception for, for rape and no. incest. But he's, he has two decades of, of being against it. And he still says that's his personal position, that he is against it. So um, and we also have a legislature, uh, thanks to Wisconsin's um, you know, gerrymandering rules that is heavily Republican. And uh, even leaders in the legislature have said there's no way that that is passing. So we need a governor of Wisconsin like Governor Evers, who will do whatever it takes to fight for that. And that's why he's, um, you know, he's he's called special sessions to try to get Republicans to take action. Um, we have the lawsuit going on. He's um, talked about, you know, offering clemency to doctors if they are uh, somehow convicted under, under this archaic law. Um, so, like, that's factoring into a lot of people across the state. So, yeah, well, that's such a, a profound and, and stark difference between the two candidates there. Uh, with real-world consequences, unfortunately, uh, unfolding for so many women uh, and their families in Wisconsin. Well, Sam, thank you for your time. Uh, best of luck here in the closing weeks. Wisconsin is going to Wisconsin, which means it's going to be a super close race, uh, you know, down to a point, maybe maybe two at the most, uh, you know, in this race and many others. So uh, good luck piecing together that puzzle here in the, in the, in the closing weeks uh, so that uh, Governor Evers gets another four years and uh, can continue his great leadership for for the folks of Wisconsin. Great. We appreciate it. 